We're going to do something a little bit old school this morning. Um, so we're in our series, Unleash the Call, still. Um, but I'm wondering, did anybody bring their physical Bible this morning? How many people brought a Bible? Can you lift it up if you have it with you? I can see it. One, two, three. Any more? All right, so it's between you three. This is the old school thing we're going to do this morning. Have you all heard of a sword drill? Okay, well, just for a refresher, this is what's going to happen. Here's the rules. It's a competition. So I'm, I'm going to tell you guys to hold up your Bibles. Then I'm going to give you a scripture reference. Like, I don't know, let's, for example, I'll just say John 3.16. So you'll be holding up your Bible. I'll say John 3.16, and then I'll say go. And you've got to open it, get to John 3.16, like you want to, though. You want to win, okay? So you got to get there, stand up when you have it, put your hand up, and I will try and see the first person who stands up, uh, and then I want you to read it. Uh, and just for the people who are online, I have it also, and I will read it just to make sure that it's heard. But bonus, if you don't even need the Bible to tell me the verse. So it's a little bit of a challenge this morning. A couple of them are pretty popular. Uh, you may have memorized these growing up or a week ago. I don't know. Um, so if you know this, this verse without needing to open your Bible, you pretty much just win the whole thing. Okay, so three passages. Ready? So Bible's up. First passage is, and it'll be on the, the, the slides too, Psalm 119.11. Go. Psalm 119.11. So when you find it, stand, raise your hand. I will acknowledge you and get you to read it. Oh, that was fast. Okay. All right, first one. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Can we give her a hand this morning? And so just for the people who are online, Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, round two. Bible's up. 2 Timothy 3.16-17. Go. 2 Timothy 3.16-17. Isn't this exciting? I haven't done this in a really long time. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm catching it. Can you stand up? And then... I'm going to count that, so you get a point. Uh, not that there's a point system, but great job. Did anybody, or did any of the other ones have it? Anyway, okay, so this is, well, if we could go to the next slide. 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. So different translation, but same verse. So thank you very much. All right, last one. Bible's up. 2 Timothy 2.15. Go. 2 Timothy 2.15. Does anybody know the verse? This is fun. I don't know if you guys are having fun, but I'm having fun. 
2 Timothy 2.15. Oh, perfect. Let's hear it. Perfect. Thank you. Can we give her a hand? So just for the people online, 2 Timothy 2.15, work hard so you can present yourself to God and uh, receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So again, different translation, but great job. Thank you very much. Now here's an interesting thought. Why is that game, that competition, easy or hard? If I give you a passage and you have a an easy time finding it or a difficult time finding it, what affects that? For me, one major thing is knowing where the books of the Bible are, knowing the order of the books, uh, which obviously comes from having read it, having, having opened it more often. Maybe you memorized a song growing up to help you with the books of the Bible so you could get the extra star and be the first one to a chocolate bar in kids' club. But either way, knowing those verses comes from reading them studying them, meditating on them, and repeating them, which all starts with reading. And I have to admit, in my own life, the Bible hasn't always been something that I was excited or driven to read. And I'm a pastor. I have things that deter me sometimes from opening the Bible when I should. Sometimes I just don't set aside the time. Sometimes I set aside the time and I get distracted by something else. Or sometimes I'm just not motivated because I haven't set any goals. In Bible college, keyword Bible, during orientation we had some seminars before our regular pattern of classes started. In one seminar there was a panel of three students that sat in front of us and we got to ask them questions, they gave us advice and wisdom on dorm life and which cafeteria food to take on brunch morning and all, all other kinds of ideas, but one student offered one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. He said, don't let your Bible become your textbook. I'm going to say it again just because I think it's really profound. Don't let your Bible become your textbook. It still applies to me today. Because in Bible college, you do so much reading and studying of the Bible for assignments that it can be easy to finish your essay and put the Bible away for the night without setting aside some time to read the Bible as you would in any other scenario, just for meeting with God, setting time aside, and enjoying his word. And that's a problem because sometimes we're supposed to read just for the sake of reading. And that's a, a struggle that you can have in, in Bible college. But I have the feeling I'm not the only one this morning who occasionally struggles, or maybe more than occasionally, struggles to read the Bible. Maybe your, your struggle is, is just having difficulty making time for it. Maybe it's having difficulty understanding what you read in the Bible, and so you put it down because it's frustrating and, and you're struggling in that way. Sometimes we just struggle to open it, never mind to get something out of it. But whatever your difficulty might be, I've noticed a pattern you see, sometimes out of our struggles, and in anything in life, but I'm looking at the Bible here, sometimes we take a break from the Bible. We put it down and we say, oh, you know what, I'll come back to it later, which sometimes accidentally becomes an extended break. And in a lot of scenarios, this can lead to stopping your reading entirely. 
And just like anything in life, reading the Bible can be something that's difficult at times, but that doesn't mean that you should give up or quit. You see, reading the Bible is an essential part of the life of a follower of Christ. We need what's in this book. And I've found some statistics regarding Bible reading patterns in citizens of Canada, and I want to share this with you this morning. The Canadian Bible Engagement Study has found some bad news, some good news, and a few surprises. First, the bad news. Since 1996, that's my birth year, 24 years ago, there's been a dramatic decline in regular Bible reading, from 28% reading at least weekly to just 11%, and weekly church attendance from 27% to 16%. Specifically, only 5% of Canadians report reading the Bible daily. Just 14% read at least once a month. Sorry. And weekly Bible reading is down by 60%. What's surprising and distressing is that most Christians either seldom or never read the Bible, a decline evident not only in the historic Protestant and Catholic churches, but among evangelicals too. That's us. It was also surprising to discover the decline was even sharper among older people than youth. Have you ever looked at young people with disappointment or, uh, or a lack of assurance about their faith? Maybe you didn't think they were following God or believing in him or, or practicing. They're actually leading the way now. I'm so proud as a youth pastor to be able to say that that's a statistic. I still don't like the percents, but that's something I'm so proud of. So why this decline in general? Well, like I said, with anything in life, sometimes when something gets hard, we quit or we pull back. But the problem with doing that as a Christian is that you think you're only pulling back attendance or reading, but you still believe. You still have a core faith. It's still the cornerstone of your, your life, your worldview, your, your family. But if you look at your faith as a house, like Jesus said, pulling back is like replacing a little bit of that foundation with sand. Just a little, just a little switch. And the more you pull back, the weaker your foundation gets until one day the storm comes. And even if you think you're strong and solid, that house is going to fall because you've been replacing it with sand. And on top of that, we pull back, but then when the storms come and we're angry at God, we want answers from him. And guess where those answers are? The bottom line is that we need to intake Scripture. It strengthens our foundation. It inclines our hearts and minds to listen to God. Sometimes we're waiting to hear what God has already said in there. We have to read. Otherwise, we're missing out on a lot of answers to common or not so commonly asked questions. And there's a great deal of empowerment that comes from having those answers from God. This morning is our key passage. I want to look back on someone who knew what the Word said. If you have your Bibles, uh, or your digital Bibles, or you're, you're reading from a different place this morning, you can turn to Matthew 4, 1 to 11. But because this person knew what the Word said, they were able to stand firm against the lies of their enemy. Let's read this morning. So Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. 
For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very angry. Or sorry, hungry. Very hungry. He fasted and became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus stood down the devil with the word of God. I kind of want to do that. I mean, I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to go 40 days without food or or be tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. But I do want to be victorious with whatever tools I'm given to be empowered with in here. So what did Jesus do to get the tools from here to here? Well, first, he read it. He got it in his head. He obviously spent time with it. And I want to specifically say, I know the statistics are good anyway, but... Don't underestimate reading when you're young or reading to your kids if you're parents because Jesus was 12 years old in the synagogue stunning everyone with difficult questions and and very helpful insights. He was able to draw back on Scripture quickly, just like when we took the Bible and I said go and we found the passage and we read the verse or we brought it back from here he was able to draw back on it quickly. He didn't even pause to think because it was that upfront in his mind. Now there's this program that we use sometimes for for some of the media that we do at the church, some of the art stuff. I do it for a lot of youth things on Instagram and Facebook, but I want to explain to you what making something upfront does. So this app is called Canva, and how it works is you basically envision something in your head, like, I don't know, let's say uh, the youth Christmas party that we did in December. So I had some ideas about what I wanted this, this post for everybody to see and get excited about the event looked like. So maybe I had, or I don't, I don't remember now, but maybe I had a red background and, and I had some, you know, some holly, some tree branches, whatever. Then I have to take each of those pictures of the trees, of the branches, of the the background, and I have to place them in order of how I want them to be seen. Because it wouldn't really make sense to have a tree, some lights, some words, but then accidentally put a big red background in front of everything. Because then when I post that, all everybody's going to see is just the red background. Well, our lives can look like this sometimes, where our reading determines whether or not Scripture is at the forefront of our minds or not. So when a a challenge comes, what's at the forefront sometimes is getting angry, sometimes being unsure, sometimes questioning God or getting 
upset at God. But if we read it, if we, if we spend the time that we should on it, it comes to the forefront. And he didn't just read it. He obeyed it. How better to know the word than to do what it says? See, growing up, I learned a pattern for some different routines that were good and healthy in my life. But the one that I was best at was waking up and getting ready and getting prepared for school. Because my parents raised my brothers and I with a routine, and we obeyed the routine every morning. We woke up, we took a shower most of the time. We ate breakfast, we did our bathroom jobs. I still, I still hear that phrase when I, when I think about it. Bathroom jobs, which are, you know, brushing your teeth, washing your face, cleaning your ears, cleaning behind your ears. I didn't forget mom, she's probably watching. Um, combing your hair, all of those things. And then feeding our pets and doing whatever else needed to be done before going to school. And we knew it because our parents laid it out They explained it to us. They told us it would be good for us, and then we obeyed it. Some of you may even keep the same routine or something similar now. It's likely because you were given one or you saw the value in one, and you decided to keep on it. So then when you wake up, again, it's forefront in your mind because you've been doing it, you've been repeating it, you've been obeying that routine. And if you know what you should do, if you know what the Bible says to do, how to live, what you can call on God for, then the chances are that you know what the Bible says. Besides, the Bible says in James 1.22 to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So read it, obey it. What else did Jesus do? Well, he didn't just read and obey it. The biggest thing is that it moved from his head to his heart. Really, this is a question of value because it's much easier to retain something that you value, that you treasure. For example, I love basketball. And going through high school, I watched so many YouTube videos of basketball, but particularly my favorite and the questionable, still arguable, greatest of all time was Michael Jordan. And a church mentor of mine knew that I loved Michael Jordan too, and he let me borrow books that he had, he also loved Michael Jordan. He let me borrow books. He, he lent me VHS tapes. Some of you probably don't know what that is. But VHS tapes of the 1993, the first three-peat for the Chicago Bulls against the Phoenix Suns. He lent me all six games on tape. And I know that sounds kind of like nerdy, or maybe if you're athletic, it sounds really cool. Um, but I loved it. I loved it so much. I can tell you so much still about Michael Jordan. I can tell you that in the 1997 series against the Utah Jazz, in game five, Michael Jordan put up 38 points despite having flu-like symptoms. And it wasn't just flu-like symptoms. You could watch, you can watch that footage. I still have the tape. I don't know where it is, and I don't have a VHS player. But you can see in that footage, Michael Jordan is exhausted. And somehow he still beats defenders. He still hones his skills enough, even with flu-like symptoms, that he puts up 38 points and they win game five. And I can go on and on because knowing things about Michael Jordan, knowing statistics, knowing all sorts of things about him was something that I treasured. 
So the question is, how sacred is the Bible to you, to me? Do we recognize its value? Do we treasure it? Can we pull those things out of it when something comes along in our life? Sometimes when I'm having trouble retaining it or I'm getting frustrated with it, and I don't do this to guilt myself and I don't share this with you this morning to guilt you into reading the Bible, but to recognize its value. Do you realize what was endured by other people so that the Bible could make it through thousands of years to our hands? People endured all sorts of things, torture, death, loss of friends, loss of finances, all types of things that you can imagine, loss of status. People were subject to racism so that we could have this. Maybe you have six of them, and they're all collecting dust on your shelf. But this is God's word. There's no comparison of value between things on earth and the living, breathing word of God. Jesus knew its value. He studied it, he cherished it, and that led to him knowing it and having its wisdom ready in his heart. So when it's our turn, how do we recognize what Jesus did, the practices that he had in place so that he could pull that quickly? How do we apply those practices, those tools to our own lives? How do we read the Bible and read it well? Well, first we can do the same thing that Jesus did. We can open it. Set aside time each day to read. You can plan according to your schedule. Maybe you're shift work and you need a different routine than somebody who's working nine to five. Maybe you have to put the kids to bed first. Side note, also read to them too. Maybe you have to read along with some sort of guide like a devotional book like the Daily Bread or some kind of maybe a youth devotional or a couple's devotional or some kind of teaching, coaching material. You can find a teacher. One of the verses that we heard was that the Bible is useful for teaching, correction, rebuking, training in righteousness. There are teachers out there. There are resources out there that we can listen to. Preachers aren't available just on Sunday morning. They're accessible all the time now. It can be a person, a book about reading the Bible, teaching or coaching material. But do make sure that if you use other material to interpret the Bible, make sure you have the Bible open when you read that because there are some authors out there who have strange interpretations about what the Bible says. So make sure you always go back and say, is this actually what it says? Second is to set goals. Do you have goals? Maybe for now it just means making sure that you read daily. That's a good goal. That's a really good goal. Maybe it's a verse a day. Maybe it's the Bible in one year. Whatever it is, it's always easier to achieve your goals when you set them. So I, I recommend, I suggest this morning that you come up with a goal. I'll ask the worship team to come, please. Last, uh, read in community. Read together. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you only read with other people, but make a group with people. Find some other people that you know that want to read the Bible or that are close to you and, and love God and encourage them to do this with you. 
you're, you, you might get actually double your teaching from a verse because sometimes, and even in my own experience, going through Bible college, studying with other groups of people, sometimes just reading with somebody else, they pick up something that you would have totally missed or you pick up something that they would have totally missed. You can share that with each other. It also helps you stay accountable. You can use something like the YouVersion app or some kind of Bible reading app that allows you to see the activity of other people. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I'm not even sure what I want to read, but I know, you know, my first goal is to read something. Read a verse, read, read something. And sometimes I see the activity of other people and it encourages me to open it. It encourages me to find that verse. It encourages me to apply the verse that they read. Sometimes in version, other people can make, it's called a verse image, but basically if a verse really sticks out to them, you can choose a background and put the words on. But the concept is that it shows up in other people's news feeds, almost similar to Facebook. You can go through and see, okay, that person marked this verse today. That's a really good verse. I think I'm going to apply that to my life too. There are resources out there to help you read and retain, but you don't have to do it by yourself. And how do you know that what I'm preaching to you is true? How do you know that what any of us, what online is preaching to you, if you don't open it yourself? You could come here every week and get lies. There are a lot of people who are really good at making lies sound like truth. It's not enough to go to church and just take it in that way. It's not enough. A pastor once said to his congregation, 50% of what I just preached to you is true, and 50% is false. It's up to you to now go home and open your Bible and determine which was true and false. Imagine if we did that. I'm not going to do that because I feel the calling on my heart to preach truth, to communicate that to you. But imagine if we did that. Imagine if I purposely preached a message to you that was half false, and you never knew because you never opened the Bible. Imagine if we all went home every day and confirmed the sermon that was spoken with the actual written word of God that we can all reference. Most of us having, have trouble remembering what was preached last week. But I guarantee you that if you go home and you take that and you open it and you test it and you find the truth in it, you'll be able to remember what was preached last week because you went through, you confirmed it, you tested it, you referenced it, and you retained it. And lastly, I don't mean to vision cast as a broad idea, but I just want to put a picture in your mind this morning. What would it change if we all knew the word? Like imagine for a second that we were all capable of retaining every single verse that we could find, all of us. How would it change our lives? How would it change the way that we reach out to other people? If you can envision something different than what you can see right now, that means that you see value. And if you see value in that, I encourage you to take those steps, use those tools, and put those applications in starting now. I want to look more like Jesus, and I believe we all do. And it starts there. So figure out what you want to do. Do you want to know it? Then put things in place to know it to open it, to obey it, and to treasure it. Set goals so that you're making progress in in the way that's best for you and find other people to read it too. Keep yourself accountable. Treasure it. And ask God to reveal the truth to you. 
But before we close this morning, I want to take a moment to treasure him with worship. But would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? God, I thank you for your precious word. God, we treasure it. We recognize the value in it. And God, sometimes it's true. It can be hard. It can be hard to read it. It can be hard to retain it. It can be hard to call it back when a troubling time comes. And God, sometimes it's easier to just get angry at you. Sometimes we justify not knowing and feeling like you've abandoned us and you haven't given us the answers. But God, you have. It's all there in your word. And God, I know, and we, we can all picture what it would be like if we knew every single verse, if we could call back every single reference in the Bible. If we memorize this book, we know that it would change our lives. We know that it would empower us. It would set some of us free. It would break chains. It would change things. And so God, I pray this morning, before we spend some more time singing your praises, that you would empower us, that you would enable us to set goals, to make plans, to find friends, to do whatever we have to do, to prioritize your word, to get it into us, to know it, to obey it, to retain it, to be able to call it back, to do all of those things. God, we want to look more like you, and if we want to do that, we have to know what's in there. So I pray this morning that you would help us to do that empower us, God, to read it, to know it, and for it to change us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go back to, to some worship this morning. I want us to just sing a song that acknowledges that we treasure him, that he's awakening our hearts to the kingdom. And again, some of that comes from the word. But I just want to remind you, just before, uh, just before we go into worship, Next week, don't forget to register for the service um, and put all the things in place for you to be able to join us again next week. So would you join us in worship this morning?